Hey, very good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you may be. Hi. Uh, this is Sean, and this is Alex. And we are back with another Coaster Kings Radio episode. This time we are talking about Silverado City, Dollywood, and a little bit of wild adventures in Valdosta, Georgia. We are talking about Hirsch and Family Entertainment, America's theme park sweetheart. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> We're um, mostly talking about Dollywood and Silver Dollar City because they're like two peas in a pod. Fraternal, yeah, it's like twins. Silver Dollar City is Dollywood without Dolly. And a couple of other things it's lacking. But then Dollywood lacks a couple of things that Silver Dollar City does better. And so, then there's Wild Adventures. And then there's is, also Wild Adventures. Wild Adventures is like perfectly fine. Like totally fine for what it is. Like, I mean, might as well just start with that park. Yeah. So whoever doesn't know what Wild Adventures is, it is kind of like... A safari park meets production model coaster. It is park. just this cute little park full of Vacomas um, on the Florida Georgia line, basically, of Vadalsta. <laughs> and um, we actually went there. We drove there last summer uh, from home. It was like a, what was it, like a three and a half hour drive? Yeah, three and a half hours. It was, t- it was totally worth the trip. Um, because, as some of you know, we honestly, genuinely enjoy our Vacomas. And as far as Vacoma production models go, um, the Boomerang and the SLC, Twisted Typhoon, are two of the best. Um, they also have a Vacoma Junior Invert and a Vacoma Roller Skater. And uh, what else do they have? They've got Cheetah. It's kind of their signature ride. Is their Custom Coasters International wooden coaster. Um, they have seven coasters total. So they have, of course, Boomerang, Cheetah. They have Go Bananas, which, which is, is a wild m- mouse. Is it Mac or Mauer? I can't remember. Um, Go Bananas is a Mauer wild, wild mouse. Weird trains. Those are always fun. Um, they have Outpost Express, which That's is a... That's the roller skater. Is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Swampwater Snake Swamp is Swampwater their... Snake is their Zamperla, Zamperla Kitty Fiesta. Fiesta Express, yep. which they used to... They had that for a long time. It ran... When did that originally run? Let me check. We have RCDP open, of course. Um, it originally it ran has, from 03 to 11. It has two separate entries on the Roller Coaster database because it was in storage for so long. So yeah, it, after 2011, the previous owners boxed it up and put it in storage. They used to have a Wisdom Tiger Coaster. I think it's a Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, Wisdom Rides Dragon Wagon that they sold to the Lowry Park and Zoo in Tampa. Still need that credit. This park had a ton of coasters, like, right off the bat. It was owned by the same people who owned Cypress Gardens, um, which is why when Cypress Gardens in Florida had um, a variety of, like, new coasters and stuff, they were really trying to beef up these parks and and make them viable. They did so by pumping a lot of capital in there in the form of, like, coasters and stuff. But both parks had a Vacoma roller skater and a Vacoma suspended looping coaster. Or, uh, sorry, not a Vacoma suspended looping coaster, a Vacoma family invert. And both of the family inferts, I believe, were called Swamp Thing at one point. Um, of course, the Cypress Gardens eventually was sold to Legoland. Uh, and then Wild Adventures was sold to uh, Hershen Family Entertainment in 2008, I think. Something like that. 2009? Is it saying? Um, no information on that here. What I know for sure is that in 2010, that was the year that they brought the Myler... Uh, large Myler coaster, which is now uh, the Hurricane at Fun Spot Kissimmee. That was the year that Hershen brought that coaster, which was called Viking Voyager at Wild Adventures, um, to the park from their uh, Celebration City, Celebration Station uh, project in Branson. It's It's been over 10 years now since Celebration City closed, but a lot of people already don't realize that there were two Hershen parks in Branson. And the smaller Celebration City Park was where Ozark Wildcat was, which was a famous, uh, <laughs> an iconic precursor to uh, the beloved Thunderhead, um, one of the early GCI products and the first um, GCI project uh, with Hirsch and Family Entertainment. Unfortunately, the wooden coaster was demolished. Their uh, SDC Windstorm uh, was sold off in 2009, and in 2010, their third coaster, the Myler, uh, went to wild adventures the park was ultimately deemed unprofitable and it was unfortunate because they had tried really hard to make that thing a thing without like cannibalizing silver dollar city and ultimately it just wasn't profitable and for the record these parks are like 10 minutes from each other yeah. like you will if you're anywhere in branson you pretty much pass by what is now a church and used to be that theme park yeah the park on is the still way there all branson. the infrastructure yeah see where ozark wildcat was they cannibalized ozark wildcats trains for thunderhead um, unfortunately, I feel like that park kind of stunted the growth of Silver Dollar City a little bit because instead of Silver Dollar City getting their 
wooden coaster, like Thunderhead, originally, you know, they got, you know, the Celebration City got it because they were trying to, you know, keep the two balanced. It was really, like, a lot like Fun Spot in a sense where it was open early in the afternoons. Like, it was something that they wanted, like, every day from, like, 4 p.m. to midnight was, like, their operating schedule, and they were trying to feed off of the show crowds and, like, the dinner theater crowds and stuff, and, like, it was always, like, Severed Hour City closes every day at, like, kind of a decent hour, probably, like, 8 or 9 p.m., and then Celebration City would be open till midnight, and they would sell, do, you know, double tickets and try to entice visitors to do both, but ultimately, it was just more trouble than it's worth. Um, but back to Wild Avengers real quick, I want to give a quick shout-out to the park, because um, it's actually it's actually a pretty nice park. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as polished as the other Hershen parks are. But they take good care of their rides because their Boomerang and the SLC are beautifully taken care of and they run really, really well. I, I would say that's <clears throat> the best SLC maybe. I mean, I like Thunderhawk and Michigan's Avenger too. But just just generally speaking, yeah. it's, it's a nice park. Of I all the it. standard SLCs with the standard Vacoma issue trains, like Twisted Typhoon is pretty much best case scenario. It also has a really nice color scheme. The coasters throughout the park all are pretty cohesive in their color palette, which is kind of neat. They have a very fun, colorful, tropical, like, green and yellow palette, except for Twisted Typhoon, which has some uh, cool colors in that palette. Their newest area of the park, which is like a family area towards the front of the park, which incorporates the reopening of the that Zamperla Fiesta Express. Yes. Right? What's it called? Something Swamp. Swamp Water Snake. Swamp Water Snake. That area of the park is so nice, and you can feel that Hershen touch the whole way through. It feels very polished, like a little smaller version of like um, Wildwood Grove. Wild Grove. Yeah. Um, so I think as you know, the park park still has some like wonky stuff left over from the uh, Cypress Garden days, but it's definitely uh, slowly but surely uh, making its way through. And I think Hershen is, is very smart and they're very careful investors. So things are moving slowly with Wild Adventures because I think they know exactly um, what they can expect a return on within a reasonable amount of time so um if you're waiting until they build their next major coaster to go to wild adventures you might still be waiting for a while but um w- you know we went just because we were close and um i was excited because you know swamp water snake was the new ride for last year new in air quotes you know because it had been gone for so- i didn't even know they still had it but eight years later it returned um so we were like, okay, well, this is, this is the closest we're going to get to, like, a new coaster at this park for a while, probably. So we went, and we had a great time, and we can't wait to go back. It'll be a fun, it's still a fun day trip for anyone in Central Florida, uh, or anyone in, like, the Atlanta area, anyone in, in Alabama, uh, Tennessee, you can, you can be down there in, in a reasonable time. And though it's not as recognizable when it comes to, like, the global standard that Hershen has put on... Um, as it is, for example, for Silver Dollar City or Dollywood, it does still have seven coasters, and Silver Dollar City has seven coasters too. So <laughs> it's not like you know a park you just forget about. By by some standards, it's still worth getting, at least going in and getting the coaster credits. Yeah, I mean, you could go go in there with reasonable expectations. I wouldn't say Cheetah is up to the same stuff as you know the wooden coasters of the other no. parks, and obviously it's it's mostly production model rides. Cheetah is their only custom ride, but for what it is, it's a great product, and for the for the region, I mean, it's the, the park's in the middle of nowhere. Truly, well, well that's truly. not that crazy, but I mean, it, it is a little dislocated. It's, it's, yeah. You know, it's one of those places where it's a three-hour drive from a lot of people, but nobody lives right next to it, so it does pretty well for itself, considering that it has to pull people from several hours away um, to turn a profit. So it's a good little park. Next time, if you ever drive to Florida from somewhere else in the country, we recommend stopping there, penciling that into your trip. It's a worthy diversion, even for just a few hours. I'd definitely say so. And then I guess we'll move on to um, to the two big, the big, you know, e-ticket the parks, parks really. that you think of when you think of Hershen Family Entertainment. Um, so we'll kind of just talk about how the parks. Compared to one another, uh, what Dollywood has that Silver Dollar City doesn't have, and then what Silver Dollar City does have, but no, Dollywood doesn't. So uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Dollywood. These two parks are such an interesting case study. Dollywood, uh, I forget which one is actually technically older. Dollywood opened in the 50s, I believe, or, or at least the original attraction, which was the 
uh, Dollywood Steam Train. It's opened, actually a year older. Oh, 1961. So where Do- Soda City opened in 1960. Okay, so yeah. they're almost the same age. I mean, for a while, when Hirsch and Family Entertainment acquired um, Gold Rush Railway, is what the attraction was called at the time. Uh, well, Gold Rush Junction. Rebel Railroad, then Gold Rush Rebel Junction. Rebel Railroad, yeah. Gold Rush. So, yeah. Silverdollar so City acquired what we now call Dollywood in 1976. And their first order of business was to bring over um, the best qualities of Silver Dollar City, which a lot – Silver Dollar City is famous like Dollywood. They're famous for their craftsmen valley, their, uh, their working craftsmen, basket weavers, candle makers, blacksmiths, and so on. Dollywood is now quite famous for this as well, but it was something that was brought over. They basically duplicated everything that they had at Silver Dollar City and brought it – um, to Dollywood because they knew that Pigeon Forge, like Branson, would be the perfect uh, market for this sort of thing. And then the following year, 1978, they brought uh, Fire in the Hole, which was um, built in 1972 at Silver Dollar City. They copied the ride on a technical level. Thematically, it's a little different, but Blazing Fury opened in 1978, built in-house just like um, just like Fire in the Hole. Um, and then so from then on, uh, the two Silver Dollar Cities, as they were known, uh, prior to Dolly's involvement in the mid-'80s, um, echoed each other in a lot of ways. Most of the attractions that each park had were uh, either duplicates or very similar. They both had the uh, Flooded Mine Dark Ride, which Silver Dollar City still operates uh, as a shooting dark ride, whereas Dollywood's has been converted since into uh, Buzzsaw, or no, uh, Daredevil Falls, not mm-hmm. Buzzsaw Falls. Um, the parks didn't really have very unique identities prior, I think, to Dolly's involvement. Even still, they're very similar in their general aesthetic and obviously in their uh, sense of quality when it comes to like polish and commitment to atmosphere, uh, ride quality, operations, aesthetic, food, entertainment. Uh, if you kind of look at it as of 2020, it felt like Dollywood and Silver Dollar City started in the same place, even though they have a bit of a different background, but that Dollywood just grew a little faster and became more of a complete product because if you look at for example the layout of the park um silver dollar city has almost only dead ends every little area ends every ride is a dead end and then you have dollywood that had that once upon a time but now everything in dollywood is one flowing midway almost like a giant circle there's only once one little area which we even think may not stay there for that much longer or stay a dead end for much longer um or stay dead end for much longer which is their um, country, what do you call it again? Oh, I thought you were talking about Wildwood Grove. No, talk about their kitty area that needs to go. The uh, country fair area, which is our least favorite part of Dollywood, is looking a little long in the tooth, especially now that Wildwood Grove is open, which is like country fair, just a large collection of flat rides. Um, Wildwood Grove is gorgeous, and right now it's a dead end. We think that their next uh, capital expenditure, the one that they teased uh, before the COVID stuff heated up and they canceled the announcement, um, we suspect that a midway will wrap around behind Thunderhead because they've yeah, had already a, cleared land there. They've had a service road to the left of Thunderhead's entrance uh, since Thunderhead opened, and it's a very clear stra- straight shot between the railroad and Thunderhead all the way up the hill um, up to the, what is currently the exit of um, Dragonflyer. Dragonflyer. And Dragonflyer's exit is almost... It's a too giant, much like yeah. a giant midway. It's a very large thoroughfare. It doesn't feel like an exit by any means. It feels like it is supposed to be more than an exit. So I really think that they're just going to connect Thunderhead um, from the side of the brake run, really, and mm-hmm. then connect it up along the train tracks up to Wildwood Grove to make a full circle, especially once that second half of Wildwood Grove, which has not been announced yet, but it's been cleared. It's been cleared since they cleared for the first part of the area. Once that'll get its next marquee attraction, which I think will be a roller coaster, I mean, it's a no-brainer to have a loop, you know, an mm-hmm. extra loop around yeah. the park. Yeah, people who haven't been to Dollywood or haven't been since Wildwood Grove may not realize that more, I would say close to half, if not more than half, of the land that they originally cleared for Wildwood Grove still has not been uh, developed yet beyond the flat ground stage. So there's definitely um, room for another attraction. I think it was probably a two-stage project, you know, that was going to happen over the course of two years um, to fully flesh out the whole Wildwood Grove set up as a, as a circle, um, which kind of echoes the, the large circle that Dollywood now is. Um, prior to, you know, the opening of uh, River Battle, I guess, River Battle and Wilderness Pass, 
everything from the entrance of the park to Mystery Mine, you know, was a dead end. Uh, and then up Craftsman Valley to Tennessee Tornado was also a dead end. That's been a dead end for much longer. Dollywood, historically, was kind of just a long stretch of, of Midway with other little loops and offshoots off of the uh, the main entrance. That park really has grown tremendously because when it first opened, when the attraction was first a thing, it was literally just the inside of the train turnaround, the area of the park that we now know as the Village and Country Fair, and they expanded... They moved their entrance three times. Their entrance used to be located now at the foot of Craftsman Valley, which is where the gristmill is. The entrance used to enter the park right there. Uh, And then when it became Dollywood, they expanded into what once was the entrance plaza and some of the parking lot. And they added the River Rapids ride and the new Celebrity Theater. And then moved the entrance back to what is now currently a restaurant. If you've ever been to Dollywood and that restaurant that the Midway threads with the, the nice little roof over it and the big giant satellite just looking skillets of food. Yeah, it's a big skillet. That skillet place, was yeah. Dollywood's first entrance as Dollywood. And then they quickly outgrew that. And in the early 90s, they opened the entrance that we now have today and created the Show Street Midway that has the candy shop and the bakery and, and um, Show Street Theater and all of that. Um, and since, and then when they built Thunderhead, they took a left from what is now the main street entrance and worked their way up and have really been building this loop. They, within 20 years, not only did the park, you know, multiply in size tremendously, but the, a majority of what we consider to be Dollywood's main thoroughfare, I'd say at least 75% of it was built in the last 20 years. So Dollywood's an amazing success story of growth and potential and, uh, understanding your market and um, having realistic expectations of like where you can go and what directions you can go. Unfortunately for Silver Dollar City, Branson is not quite as bustling as Pigeon Forge. Uh, I think Dollywood really took off after Opryland in Nashville closed because shortly after Opryland closed, Dollywood started putting in major, major attractions like uh, Daredevil Falls and Tennessee Tornado, and people took to it immediately, and Dollywood has been blasting off into the stratosphere ever since. So they've really taken advantage of that opportunity. And then for Silver Dollar City, I think the biggest main difference in that regard is that Coastal lineups always kind of kept up. Yeah, Dollywood has two more, but uh, we'll get to that later. Um, What really kind of makes Silver Dollar City almost annoying, I would say, is that, again, everything is a dead end. So every area is like a dead end. The only two rides that are sort of on a midway is going to be um, Thunderation and, and Time, Time Traveler. Traveler. Everything else is a dead end. Yeah. And at first, I'm like, okay, this is great. But then when it gets really crowded, which luckily I haven't witnessed that yet, but I've seen pictures and videos, it can get very bottlenecky because even when it wasn't that busy and there were just some schools there, it was already getting really crowded <laughs> on the midways. Because when you enter Silver Dollar City from the parking lots, you have to go through a small little walkway that goes through the gift stores and I guess what may have been a previous entrance uh, which is really a bottleneck yeah. uh, before you enter the park and then the rides are all scattered all over the place but they're all connected by little walkways so for example if you head down I guess what would be one of the main midways um, towards fire in a hole is that what's called mm-hmm. and then if you want to go ride wildfire you have to follow like three or four different marquee signs of wildfire before you even get to the final midway which walks which leads all the way to wildfire this park is so classic because they do every ride has like three signs one sign on the midway one sign like on the station building and then one more sign where the actual entrance of the queue is Um, because some rides are just so far removed from where the actual entrance from the midway is. And we were talking the other day about how like wildfire is so prominent from the parking lot. Assuming you park in the parking lot and don't take like a bus from Branson or whatever, you see the ride. It's very prevalent. But once you're inside the park, you can't find it. It's not at all nope. obvious where where you get to it. You have to stumble on it. And people won't necessarily know what wildfire is. They might read the sign and be like, oh, there's a ride or something called wildfire somewhere. But you're not necessarily going to know unless you look at the map, which obviously not everyone does. Until you follow the signs to Wildfire and find out, like, oh, that's the major coaster that we could see from the parking lot. And at the same time, that's also kind of a blessing because at Dollywood, everything is, you know, you can see all the rides, you know what you get yourself into. But in Silver Dollar City, all these attractions really take you somewhere else. Because Some of these rides. You can walk around Silver Dollar City and miss three of their biggest e tickets because you'll never see them unless you go look for them. What's neat about Silver Dollar City is, like, you kind of, you ride some of these coasters sight unseen. Like, 
obviously you can get an idea of wildfire from a parking lot, but there I know there are people who will still get in line for it and not make the connection. That I mean, that it also depends on where you park. A lot of parking lots for the park do not face that. Powder sure, keg you know. is half invisible. You see the launch and you see where it kind of disappears into the woods, but you don't see a majority of the ride. Outlaw Run... I mean, some you of them, have no clue until yeah. you're like in the station and you see the double barrel roll. You brought up a good point the other day when we were talking about this because people don't necessarily know, certainly when it opened, but even still now, people wouldn't look at Outlaw Run and necessarily think, oh, this is a coaster that goes upside down three times. It's a wood coaster. It's a wood yeah. coaster that looks like a wood coaster. Especially for the audience that will be like, oh, a wooden coaster. And then they would get in line and it looks really cute. And then Outlaw Run is arguably the most intense wooden coaster on earth you know yeah. um and it'll it'll mess you up if you have no clue what you're getting yourself into which is kind of funny um because the spark is themed to the now the old yeah old west i guess um yeah the old the old ozark gateway we're just a few we're just a few hours by automotive vehicle uh from the gateway to the west so we're kind of I, I, both both silver dollar city and dollywood take place in the year uh, 1889 i believe mm-hmm um, both parks have a water clock, which points to the year. I think they point to the month, like whatever actual month it is, but the year is always pointing to like 1888 or 1889. Both parks used to have a water clock at the entrance of their parks is sort of like their entry marquee, except that Dollywood's entrance has moved so many times that now their water clock is in the middle of the park in that little pond, uh, kind of close to the grist mill, like where the grist mill and the river rapids ride and all of that kind of converges in the middle. Silver Dollar Cities is still at the entrance, so right when you walk into the park, you see it, you look at the clock, you're like, okay, we're in 1888 or 89, like this, this is, that's when this is taking place. <laughs> I forget where I was going with that. Yeah, I was it's just important. waiting for it's it. A, yeah. Okay. No. Well, let's talk about Dollywood's coasters for a sec. Um, the difference, like, the point we were making was that a lot of Silver Dollar Cities rides are hidden. Thunderation is another one. Uh... Yeah, time traveler. You see, time traveler, you can sort of see from the midway and from the stadium next to it. You, when you but you don't line, get an idea yeah. to actually in the queue. You have to commit to getting in line for uh, time traveler before you know what you're getting yourself into. Thunderation, no idea. It's such a great ride because, I mean, before time traveler was built, if you ride time traveler first, you can see thunderation from time traveler. But back in the day, I mean, there was no way to even get a good look at thunderation. It was completely invisible to anyone that wasn't riding or on a service road. Dollywood, on the other hand, uh, pretty much every ride there is, for the most part, visible. Not every part of Tennessee Tornado or Lightning Rod is visible from the midway, but like Wild Eagle, Fire Chaser Express, um, the outdoor parts of Mystery Mind, Thunderhead, like most of these rides are, you can, you can size them up before you get in line, which is standard. I think that's what, most, what most people come to expect with rides. They want to see if it goes upside down, they want to see how tall it is uh, before they ride. Dollywood's a bit more conventional in that respect. But yeah, but Silver Dollar City can really walk into the queue for Wildfire and then, like, have no clue there's an inversion until you're on the ride. Because even the queue, like, even when you approach the ride, you can't see the inversions. You can right. just see the lift hole. That's it. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so look at the two coaster collections. Um, we kind of been thinking about this the last couple of days. Silver Dollar City may only have seven coasters versus Dollywood's nine coasters. But the question really is, which has, you know, the better overall quality? If I had, you know, ride by ride, which park has the more significant lineup? And I think it's going to go to Silver Dollar City. Yeah. Um, Dollywood does a couple things really well, but some rides feel conventional or just seem almost out of place. I don't want to call Mr. Mind out of place because it's so typically Dollywood, but it's a lower capacity, kind of rough, quirky... It's not a crowd pleaser the yeah. way that a lot of the Hershen coasters are in their respective parks. Because we were kind of combined, we were kind of looking like ride versus ride, right? So we have um, we have the two indoor coasters, Blazing Fury versus Fire in a Hole. Yeah. Honestly, kind of I can't really yeah. tell which one's best. I yeah. think it's still the one in Silver Dollar City is creepy. City is like wake nightmare fuel. The like bandits scary stuff. are scary as hell. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, and then <laughs> and then you have so like. It's, it's really interesting if you look at the timeline between these two parks. Honestly, their rosters used to be more similar than they are now. Uh, at one point in time, both parks had Aero Mine Trains and then their little indoor coasters. Dollywood, of course, ran um, one half of Six Flags St. Louis's River King Mine Train 
from 1989 until 1998, and then it was sold to Magic Springs and Crystal Falls, where it currently operates as Big Bad John. Um, Silver Dollar City opened Thunderation in 1993, which, of course, was a basically a custom version of Thunder Express. Like all of the most popular choices made between the two parks, they were duplicated from one park to the other, because if it works in one park, it works well in the other. Why not? When Silver Dollar City... Oh, with Dollywood... Actually, Silver Dollar City was the first park to get the next like major coaster. It was interesting, because Dollywood had the mine train and Blazing Fury, and that was it for them for 10 years, whereas Silver Dollar City got their mine train in 1993, which a lot of people agree is the best aero mine train. Some even say it's the best aero coaster, period. I don't think that's too far of a stretch. It's pretty crazy. We're actually launching, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll have launched it a top five um, rides or top five coasters from Silver Dollar City and Dollywood, um, and Thunderation's in there, and you'll, you'll kind of understand why once you read yeah. it. The next major coaster within the company was actually Buzzsaw Falls, which Silver Dollar City wanted a major marquee water ride to complement their existing Log Flume and River Rapids ride, both of which were somewhat similar to the Log Flume and River Rapids ride that Dollywood was running at the time. But Buzzsaw Falls was like their first thematic e-ticket. Uh, I guess if maybe their second if you count uh, Thunderation. Obviously, Buzzsaw Falls was kind of a disaster, and... It ended up closing and becoming Powder Keg. Dollywood's answer to Buzzsaw Falls was Daredevil Falls, which was the giant Odie Hopkins superflume that replaced Fire in the Hole. Or no, not Fire in the Hole, replaced um, Flooded Mine. So from this point, you can already see, and then when Dollywood replaced their mine train with the uh, with Tennessee Tornado, it was like, okay, so Dollywood cut their mine train and their Flooded Mine, which were two rides that Silver Dollar City had similar, arguably better versions of, uh, whereas Dollywood went off in a different direction and built different kinds of things. And then when Silver Dollar City was like, okay, we're going to build our version of Tennessee Tornado, they went with B&M and built Wildfire. So again, similar on paper, but the executions are so different. This is when you start to see the parks really go off in different directions, while at the same time demonstrating a very clear... uh, commitment to the kinds of rides and experiences they wanted to produce. There was Ozark Wildcat and Thunderhead, of course, being a major parallel. Um, Both parks got max splash battle rides, but now only one has one. Sort of like they they build two of everything, one for each park, and if if there's one that's definitely working better at one park than the other, the other one gets cut, and they don't even hesitate. Uh, Silver Dollar City had their... um, wet dry water slides which were a clone of the ones at Dollywood and Silver Dollar City cut theirs a long time ago Dollywood's only recently just cut their uh, slide winder ride but that was another ride that they were both operating similar versions of they both had Hopkins Rapids rides up until two years ago or Silver Dollar City cut theirs Dollywood's smaller log flume their little arrow uh, log flume that was in the country fair area was pretty similar to Silver Dollar City's and then Dollywood cut theirs all this time, there's been like this lineage of like the parks doing very similar things and then branching away from each other and then doing similar things and branching away again. There were rumors that Silver Dollar City was going to get a Eurofighter because of Mystery Mine, but then that never happened. They got Powder Keg, which is a totally different kind of ride than what Dollywood had at the time, but then Dollywood got Fire Chaser Express, which was their family launch coaster, albeit a more tame version. And then they got Wild Eagle, which was their B&M, following Silver Dollar City's B&M, and so on and so forth. They both have the RMC wooden coasters, et cetera, et cetera. They do a really good job, I think, of addressing each individual park's needs as far as like the holes, or lack thereof, in their coaster lineups and adding accordingly. And sometimes that means adding something that's really similar to the other park, and sometimes that means adding something totally different. Um, and then, you know... There's a bit of a filler here and there, so I guess both parks have a um, you know a kitty coaster. Um, yeah, they the both have Zamperla STC. Yeah, they both have I- identical Zamperla kitty coasters. Dollywood's original kitty coaster, the Veggie Tales Sideshow Spin, was sold off, and they built the larger version, a clone of what Silver Dollar City has, and put it over by uh, Thunderhead. And then let's see, what else do we have here? I think a big, like I think a, my point earlier about the parks being different yet the same, 
when it comes to their expenditures and their ride roster. I think it comes down to things like theming. Like both parks have a fire, like a volunteer fire department themed area, but at Silver Dollar City, it's more like it's an actual area yeah. with, with a bunch of small attractions. Silver Dollar Cities is more like Wildwood Grove, where it's like a big cluster of flat rides, whereas Dollywood's fireman area is it's just a, a ride, coaster. yeah, or mm-hmm. well, a family coaster, the Fire Chaser Express, which we love. Um, a great example of of Hershen working their magic and building similar yet not attractions, of course, would be the RMC coasters. Uh, so City only had one inverting coaster at the time, so having Outlaw Run fill not only the loop, uh, the wooden coaster box for them, because, you know, Ozark Wildcat went to Celebration City and not Silverdower City, um, but also the looping coaster box, they're like, well, we only have one looping coaster. At the time, Dollywood already had two, three? Dollywood had three looping coasters uh, oh, yeah, when, when Lightning Rod. Just op- yeah. Yeah. So... I guess that kind of brings us to the inevitable conversation about Lightning Rod versus Outlaw Run. Outlaw Run. Um, we are a house divided. Yeah. Because I like Outlaw Run best. I and prefer Lightning Alex Rod. Alex likes Lightning Rod best. Um, and, but we both agree that the rides are amazing and were perfect for their respective, for their respective parks, yeah. despite being so different. Because, again, like we talked about earlier... Um, Outlaw Run really filled that void of being their first wooden coaster. It was also an inverting coaster. It was really something that RMC tested the waters with, right? Because we can't forget it was the first topper track wooden roller coaster to have inversions. And um, that ride really is something else. And it feels almost uh, like an experiment. Yeah. And there are some things that they thought, oh, that's not working out, so we're not doing it again. And there were some things that we see on every RMC since. Uh, and I think that's why I like it the best, because first of all, it follows the terrain. Dollywood follows the terrain, but not nearly as closely as um, Outlaw Run. Outlaw Run is almost always hugging the ground. Besides, like, the lift hill, the first drop, and the big overbank inversion, it is just following terrain going up and down the hill. A lot of the elements you see on it, like the wall wave turn and the double, you know, barrel roll up back to the brake run, it's all following the terrain closely, but it's also, like, the first time these things were done. And I think that's why I appreciate the ride so much, because the entire ride, I'm like, wow, this is new. This is genius. This is different and some things are a little intense and kind of hurt if you're in the back car <laughs> but at the end of the day it's like okay this is you know they really tested the waters with this ride and i just think it's a perfect fit for the park uh, the theme is you know you're on a runaway what are you on like, like a stagecoach stage and yeah. you are um, your stagecoach was hijacked i think and you're just kind of and you're going <laughs> you're, through you're the going on yeah you're like you were on like a a leisure tour on the stagecoach and an outlaw comes and hijacks it and so like you are on the, you for a ride. on the outskirts of silver doll city and you board these stagecoaches and these stables and the whole theme just ties back perfectly to the park and that comes in my biggest criticism for lightning rod i just feel like it doesn't quite have that incorporation with the theme of the park yes there's a that little off spin of the park that's like dolly's you know, adventure to nashville sort of <laughs> 80s whatever yeah. 70s dollywood silver dollar city transitioning into Dollywood, the Tennessee Silverdower City transitioning to Dollywood. I think they felt like they had done everything that they could with the Silverdower City aesthetic, the 1888, you know, Craftsman Valley and food made from scratch. Like, oh, that's great. Everything that, you know, the Silverdower City-ness of Dollywood is still extremely valuable and great. But I think Dolly was excited to expound on that. In 1995, when they built Jukebox Junction, that was the first, I think, the first area, the first time that Dollywood really strayed away from not necessarily just the theme of Dollywood, but the era. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to do something a little different now. We want a doo-wop music review. We want, uh, you know, a drive-in themed restaurant. We want, you know, they have their little rock and roadway, the Morgan Manufacturing uh, car ride with radios that actually play music like that was a story that they wanted to incorporate into dollywood which i think is really cool it's one of the only areas at dollywood that doesn't have a uh a counter component at silver dollar city um not just in terms of like the theme but like the ride roster um but I think Lightning Rod was an amazing addition to that area of the park, especially considering it wasn't – it didn't look like there was going to be room for a ride there. Like it, re- it replaced a gift shop. It used to be called Cass Walkers, and it was a little gas station 
that sold trinkets and stuff, and that became the location of just of the station for Lightning Rod, and the rest of the ride went up into the up into the Smokies and all this land that they had that they just hadn't really used for anything. Lightning Rod actually follows parallel to a service road that connects uh, Dollywood to um, other guts of the operation, like costume department and uh, some Employee offices parking. and stuff. We did a back a walk back tour. Uh, once that not only included the the infield of lightning rod, but um, going on that service road and seeing some of the buildings and stuff and the costuming was the one that I remember the most because it had a little Christmas tree out in front of it. This was in November of 2016. But yeah, for me, lightning rod is is the better of the two. I guess to say that is is a bit of a stretch. I like it better. It's really hard to say that one is objectively better. I just feel um, that Lightning Rod does the launch very well, though it's been tamed down. Yeah. But then it's kind of does the same thing. Heck, in airtime. Yeah. Love airtime. But I just feel that, and, and that's what Dol- Silver Dollar City, uh, sorry, Dollywood perhaps needed. But yeah. I just feel that the varied lineup of elements on Outlaw Run, it just makes the ride more exciting. I think when Outlaw Run was announced, it does so much more. all of the inversions on it were a huge surprise. Like the fact that it was a wooden coaster with airtime. But remember, this is 2013. I mean, so much has already happened with RMC since then. But in 2013, RMC only had a reputation for, you know, New Texas Giant and maybe Iron Rattler, uh, Medusa Steel Coaster opened, the same year, uh, yeah. opened shortly thereafter. Like, they really didn't have a huge reputation for anything yet. So uh, building a, a, a wooden coaster, we consider them wooden coasters. I know there's a lot of gray area there, but building this product, this from the ground up uh hybrid product with three inversions was a surprise. They were like, wow, like this is a, a looping coaster. This is a wooden coaster, but it's it's filling a, a looping coaster roster in this park. But it filled much more than that. It filled airtime roster oh, sure. too. I mean, it oh, has, absolutely. you know, the, the balance between airtime and laterals and inversions and use of terrain. Great first drop. It's got that X2 drop that I love. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, this really... And I think that's kind of what Lightning Rod lacks. Yes, Lightning Rod's really great, but I just feel like it just, I wish it had what's, one more thing. What's interesting is that by the time, so four years later, yeah, 2013 was, so was and then, so I guess three years later, three-ish, yeah. when Lightning Rod was announced uh, at the end of 2015, not that much time had passed, but the, the script had already been flipped. People were, by then, just like how people were surprised that Outlaw Run had so many inversions, by the time Dollywood announced Lightning Rod, people were surprised that Lightning Rod had no inversions. It was just a tried-and-true airtime machine, big launch, 200 feet up from the station, 73 miles per hour, just an incredible series of, of, of dives and airtime and laterals. And um, Yeah, because you can't forget Goliath opened and... It was 2014. Great America in 2014. Right? Yeah. So, like, okay, it started becoming a thing. And then at the same time yeah. that they announced... Twisted Colossus and Wicked Cyclone had opened by then. Right, but at the same time they announced um, Lightning Rod. They had, already, announced. they had already announced Wildfire in Colmerton, which, yeah. which is the fourth um, top of track, track. Woody, which also has inversions. So, yeah, it was kind of unique. But, again, the, the whole... The it whole, all came down to filling the, launch, the roster. Dollywood. Not only did Dollywood already have three looping coasters, so they were pretty much good on that front. They also already had a traditional wooden coaster. I think it could have gone either way. I wouldn't have been surprised if Lightning Rod had a barrel roll in there somewhere just to give it a little bit of differentials. Uh, but compared, to what if the finale was an Immelman? That would have been amazing because there's the dive loop on Goliath. On Goliath. The dive loop on Goliath. The Immelman finale would have been sick. That would have been spectacular. I mean, they do call it a non-inverting Immelman. I remember that from the announcement. And I'm just like... Oh, no, it's a turn. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. That means that all the B&M flourishes <laughs> are all have an inverting drop. <laughs> um, but yeah, for really... The biggest thing that I think Lightning Rod was filling and Dollywood's roster, when you compare it to Silver Dollar City, was like a major launch coaster. Fire Chaser Express is a great family launcher, but... From the time it opened, I mean, you know, it's a much lower-powered kind of ride. It only goes like 30 miles per hour from the launch. It's just this cute little tire-driven thing. It, to say that it was Powder Keg, you know, it, to say that it was Dollywood's answer to Powder Keg really didn't do Powder Keg any justice because Powder Keg is much more spectacular, much more aggressive. The rides really aren't similar at all except for the way you could describe them as non-looping launch coasters with a pretty low height requirement. So Lightning Rod was, like, going to be their powder keg, I think. A major 
launch thrill ride that takes off into the woods and disappears for a while and then you know tears up the tears at up the, the same road time the i can't help in. but think that time traveler was then again a response to that and then time traveler because was time traveler is like the launch coaster now yeah where so the time traveler so is not only another looping coaster another much needed looping coaster for their roster but has the launches the spinning component which is totally unique i think that dollywood's next major coaster will now be some kind of and that's just some it. kind of relationship that's just to, it's unique because Silver Dollar City has only unique rides. Mm-hmm. Hate to say it, I know the Wildfire is another B&M looper, but even the trains are one of a kind. It's the only yeah. B&M looper where you're um, as high off the tracks as you are in a floorless coaster, Yeah, but there's still a floor. Even it's a totally really different train. It. it has the gates that open in the front of the station like a floorless coaster because the trains don't have a front wall. Yep, so it's kind of like a floorless coaster where they opted not to have to deal with the freaking moving floor, right? Yeah. Um, everything is terrain oriented. I know Silver Dollar, I know Dollywood is too, but it doesn't feel quite as severe. Um, and then, you know, stuff like Wild Eagle feel a little more conventional. And then there's the one of a kind powder keg. Yeah. There's the one of a kind a la run, I guess when I opened really, there's the one of the kind thunderation, thunderation, so which special. is so unique. And then there's the one of a kind time traveler till plops along the Palna in Belgium, yeah. uh, Belgium opens it up. Um, I think it's just kind of like. It just so happens that more of the rides that Dollywood built ended up getting similar versions. Although there's nothing in the U.S. quite like Fire Chaser Express. We don't even have any sure, Gershlauer bobsled coasters in the U.S., which I think it's a pity because those are wonderful. Gershlauer bobsled coasters are their their version of a wild mouse, and they're all major like custom-designed rides, and they're really popular in Europe. Um, but their family reverse forward-backward launch coaster ride system that they debuted uh, I guess there's fire two. there's one in California oh yeah they have Rewind, Rewind Racers that's yeah. a really good one and then one there's too. a couple in Europe and there's one in South America yeah EP. so it's again I mean it's unique for the region don't yeah. get me wrong I just it doesn't quite leave the impression that I wouldn't necessarily say that Silver Dollar City's collection of rides is more unique than Dollywood's um, I would say it's about the same just because I think Dollywood has more coasters, that there's more examples of the, of similarities. But I mean, yeah, for every you know, yeah, Wildfire is really unique because it has a totally unique train system for B and M. But like Tennessee Tornado's totally unique because it's an Alan Shilkey designed Aero Looper with custom inversions. I mean, Lightning Rod is probably never going to share its status as an uphill launch coaster wooden coaster because <laughs> not trying that again. nobody is going to build this ride again like wild eagle is really the only one that well and dragonflyer i mean it's literally oh yeah tomorrow. dragonflyer dragonflyer was such a great choice though i mean for for a coaster that you're building as part of like a major area of the park with several rides if you're if you were going to pick an off-the-shelf ride for your park i couldn't imagine a better ride than dragonflyer that one aside from whistlepunk chaser that's the only time that uh, like Silver Dollar City or Dollywood just plucked a ride right off of the off the but shelf. But let's not confuse quality of coastal lineup with quality of the park. Right. Because again, Dollywood has that Dolly Spark where it's all a little more polished. Yeah. It's all much better rounded products. I mean, there's just more to do. It's much They're, more accessible. It's much more accessible. The whole you know the infrastructure of the park is so much more easy to navigate and so much more pleasant. As a Silver Dollar City, it's really unique in its own way. But again, there's there's some downsides of having the missing that spark. Mm-hmm. You know, the Dolly spark, Dolly's name's on everywhere, the music is I mean, if you everywhere. love Dolly, if you're a Dolly fan, and it, I think a lot of people are, it's hard to pick Silver Dollar City over Dollywood when seeing Dolly and hearing her voice and, and all of the Dolliness just adds even more to the experience. And then infrastructurally, like you said, Silver Dollar City is still running their entire operation on infrastructure that was developed, you know, in the 60s and 70s, much of Dollywood, as we know it, is fairly new. Yeah. As the park's attendance grew, they expanded the park and widened the midways and beefed up all of the thoroughfares and made itself into this huge, you know, people-eating operation. That It's no coincidence that Silver Dollar City's entrance is tiny. I mean, they built that for Craftsman Valley and the caves, the beautiful caves that you take the tram cars down under. I mean, that was it. They, that's what they were building that infrastructure for. The infrastructure that Dollywood had that was similar to that was, was replaced 
years ago uh, with larger versions of that and then larger still in the 90s with Show Street and in, until they have this almost like Disney World sized ticketing and, and entrance plaza, which uh, it creates a totally different first impression on Dollywood. And Dolly, Dollywood really feels like feels, it's Dolly's place. Dollywood like Dolly's feels big like park. a big production. And then Soda City really feels like that one hidden gem giant park yeah. in, in like the mountains. You're like, Soda wow, City so feels great. so quaint. Around every corner, there's like a new a new experience. That still, that's where Dollywood you get what you expect. Even you know, geographically, big the park. parks are quite different. Not only do they have a totally different layout where Dollywood is mostly loops and Silver Dollar City is like a big mess of midway with little offshoots. Silver Dollar City, you, entrance at the, you enter at the top of the hill and from the entrance of the park, you work your way down. Most of the rides and stuff are at a lower elevation than of the entrance. And then they make their way down too. Most rides are on a hill where the beginning, where the station is located yeah. higher than the rest of the ride is. Like Thunderation and, and uh, Thunderation and Time Traveler, of course, are both famous for just hitting the ground running right out of the station. And there's no issue of propulsion or lift hills or anything with those rides until you're halfway through. Dollywood, you're in the basin of a valley. You start at the bottom of the valley. And yeah, you don't really, you really don't appreciate how much. By the time you're at Wild Eagle, you've climbed a mountain to get to that ride. Yeah, so Silver Dollar City is one of those parks where like you suddenly realize there's a whole lot of hiking to do. Yeah, you're like, wow, this is crazy. I can really walk in like, <laughs> up these steep hills and down these steep hills, and the ride stations are like suspended. <laughs> dozens of feet in the air and then dollywood feels much more like a flat land like i don't think i ever felt like i was walking really uphill maybe yeah. like a little bit but i think it's yeah dollywood it's, it's, it's like really dollar. it's really gen- it's like a much more gentle ascent although if you take that walkway from the entrance of dollywood up to thunderhead you definitely feel like you're climbing a hill yeah, because true. there's nothing on that walkway yeah that's true especially like my first visit to dollywood was back when all that was there was uh thunderhead and, t- and timber tower and that walk just felt atrocious because that was the only way to get up there. And, of course, you wanted to go up there and, and ride the stuff, but they felt so isolated and so out of the way. And um, Wildwood Grove, as amazing as it is currently, feels like a, a trek. You go, you have to walk all the way to like the smoke, where the smoking area was under Mystery Mine, and that's now your entrance uh, to Wildwood Grove, so yeah, like it's if, about as far away from the actual entrance you can get. If you're at the front of the park, yeah, the, the longest walk you could take is from the front of the park to freaking Dragonflyer, because that's at the the rear end of that whole operation. Which is why they it's very clever. It's inevitable. Though. They're yeah. going to like connect the loop. Yeah. yeah, I love these parks though. I can't like really choose one or the other. I can't either. I have a closer connection to. Dolly, Dolly because we pass holders and we go to a yeah. lot more because I guess it's closer and it's bigger so more easily accessible our city's biggest crime is that it's not as easy to get to and there's not as much going on in Branson as there is in yeah Branson I really didn't like Branson very much I'll be honest I Branson's thought it was really like sad. a dying place but um, the park itself though that's a really good impression on me I really thought every ride kind of took me to a new place and uh, that's one thing not a single ride really overlaps except for maybe Time Traveler and Sunderation but if you're an outlaw run, you're like an outlaw run the entire time. Yeah. You don't see any other rides. You can see woods here. Kind of out there, you see a horse or two, which I thought was really cool. And then you come back to the station. Same with Wildfire. I mean, you are up that lift. You're just you and Wildfire, and there's no other rides. You can see Powder Keg, same thing. So that's one of the cool things about Silverdale City is all the rides really have their own respective neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all like, yeah, they're far removed from any midways, but they aren't really bleeding. It's kind of, you know, the whole Busch Garden Stampa versus Busch Garden Williams difference yeah. where the Busch Garden Stampa rides don't overlap, but in Williamsburg, it's like all crossing over. Yeah, everything converges. And Dollywood kind of converges too, yeah. um, you know. I mean, yeah. That Wild Eagle that's right in the center, and it's on this pedestal, you know. The ride yeah. is so, so high. So, like, from almost anywhere in the park, you see Wild Eagle above you. And then while you're riding, I mean, Fire Chase Express, I feel like I'm just looking at well, the entire coasters, time. Yeah. And so the coasts are all really visible, and that's just not a thing. And I think that kind of that's makes a, a special difference, thing you know? about Silver Dollar City. Because Silver Dollar City, you really feel like you're walking through that, you know, the old city, and you don't really. Because, like, any, you forget you're in a theme park with major, major roller coasters. Any park can build a cluster of steel giants and, and be proud of that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Silver Dollar City's brand of taking major coasters and making them invisible from the midway because they can is so special yeah because if you're going to tell me oh, you're walking around in 1889 in an old town I would be dull I'd be laughing because yeah. all I see is steel yeah. but when I'm in Silver Dollar City I'd be like 
Okay, yeah. I see it. Because I don't see any riots. A bit more you know? committed. Yep. To I that. don't see anything except for old buildings, rocks, and, and the woods. So I guess that's the main difference between the two. Is this infrastructure? Is this really different? Yeah. They have the same kind of theme, and Dollywood does a little bit more, but they're just inherently different. It really feels like they're transported back in time. I like and the, Silver City, yeah. Although one thing, so with time travel, where Silver Dollar City now has opened up this like steampunk box, which Dollywood has not done yet, and I think it's very interesting. I think that's inevitable for Dollywood now because this is the first ride, the only ride really at all of Silver Dollar City that feels modern yeah. in some regard. And first of all, it's a modern concept yeah. ride. You're riding a mag launch coaster yeah. that spins. I mean, they just looking at it. They did a pretty modern, good job you know? of, of making. I mean, they have a whole story for the ride where, like, you know, this dude from the 1890s as an inventor and he and his daughter invent a time machine that's how to end up i take it i'll buy it like i (laughs) time machines are just as crazy now as they were in the 1890s so i I don't awfully good job still making it feel like it fits the rest of the park the aesthetic is so beautiful that ride the station is gorgeous everything about it the color palette like it's very Silver Dollar City, even though it's the most modern thing yeah. there and it feels almost different. It's still so classically Silver Dollar City. It feels so City. true to that aesthetic, whereas Dollywood is, has a lot more glitzy stuff. Like Wildwood Grove is like every color. Lightning Rod's got flames painted on the side. Like they, Yeah, Dollywood it. really departed from there. Dollywood's more like nature. It's so beautiful in the Smokies. Yeah. It's more like Smokies than it yeah. is. You know, It's more like Tennessee well, really, in a nutshell. Dollywood is more – it's like it's, – it's Pigeon Forge culture. They're talking about the history. They're talking about nature, and they're talking about and car culture, which yeah. is huge in Pigeon Forge. Pigeon Forge is like one of the biggest places in the world um, to buy and trade classic cars. I feel like every month there's some car show thing on the weekend. If you pick the wrong weekend in the spring, obviously right now it's a moot point. But in the past, I've been to Dollywood on one of the weekends where they're doing the car trade things, and traffic is insane because it's like. Outstanding. Outside. <laughs> outstanding. Insane and outstanding. Outstanding wow. and it's insane. It'll take you three hours to drive 10 miles uh, if you're up there during the car show stuff. Everywhere you go, it's cars. So that's something I really liked about uh, not just Jukebox Junction, but like Lightning Rod and the continuation of that story is that it's very Pigeon Forge. It's very true to the local color. And Silver Dollar City, I think, can say the same, except there isn't as much of a focus on like modern Branson. And that aesthetic, because modern Branson doesn't really have a great aesthetic, unfortunately. The city's just rough. Like, if you're not there, it was weird. Also, Dollywood really is kind of located right in Pitch and Forge. Yeah. Like, you take one turn behind the, the whatever creek hotel, and yeah. then boom, you're at Dollywood. <laughs> whatever creek. As where, um, Sildar City, you really have to go on a little drive into the mountains to find a mountain with your car to find them, yeah. And so, again, that just, that's just the main difference, in my opinion, is that they just both kind of take yeah. it to a different place. Yeah. It's where it's a little more authentic and a little more old school at Silver Dollar City. Silver Dollar City is almost thriving in spite of Branson because I feel like everywhere you go in Branson, it's just things are closed. Things aren't busy. I get like we, we went and it wasn't exactly a busy time of week because it was the weekdays. It, but Silver Dollar City was just open and everything was running. And, and it's just driving through the city, it felt like a ghost town. I've been to Dollywood on visits like that where Pigeon Forge isn't exactly like jumping, but every weekend Pigeon Forge is just full of people. That's a constant year-round thing. The thing with uh, with, um, Pigeon Forge is you can drive through it on like an off day and it feels like the city is thriving because – there may not be any people. Everything's open. Is every, yeah. Everything's maintained. Everything's open, and there's everything. Things, things are in Pigeon Forge. Everything is either like open or under development. Or yeah, you can at least see that. Like, oh, okay, like this is a you know this town. This town sees people. But then Branson didn't feel that way. It's full of Branson have like one new mountain coaster, which I thought may have been a mistake. Is like there was just a bunch of closed hotels and closed restaurants and. You know, it was just like a shadow of its former self, and it was really sad. You know, these vacation clubs, the only reason people are there is because they committed to timeshares, you know, years ago. So, I don't know. I guess that's the main the main difference between between the two areas, and it kind of feeds off of that. Yeah. I think that's – so, yeah, in addition to Celebration City not really panning out for Hershend, I feel like Silver Dollar City is such an amazing accomplishment because of – how much success they see despite Branson. Whereas Dollywood, I mean, Silver Dollar, Dollywood is like the little Disney world of Pigeon Forge. And Pigeon Forge is just taking off into the stratosphere, constantly building new things. 
everywhere you look, there's a new mountain coaster, there's a new dinner show, there's a new shopping mall. Like it is so like it's it's easy to run a successful theme park there when the region around you is so receptive to entertainment and growth and you get millions and millions of people every year in that region. Silver City works a lot harder, I think, to bring people through their, their gates because Silver City has really proven themselves. So because, people are willing yeah, to drive like, you know, because Branson five, is, is six, not, seven hours. But if anything, Branson is leeching off of Silver Dollar City now. Branson hopes to capitalize on the traffic that Silver Dollar City brings to the region. I mean, if you live in Branson, we're really not trying to be negative. We just really, yeah. we were kind of in shock when we went um, just, just last year because we went, it was a beautiful spring day. Like, it was nice out. We were like, we were at the Marriott Vacation Club and we were just, you know, playing games and being in the pool. And it was just, it was awesome. And then we went to Silver Dollar City. But the moment we left the hotel property, it was just, God, it felt, it felt like such a rundown city. I just, I just didn't see it was, it was nowhere near an upswing, and I just can't imagine with the COVID nineteen stuff. It's like not that. gonna go that. It's not gonna swing up. When I went soon. to Silver Dollar City in two thousand nine, I remember the city feeling a lot like how Pigeon Forge felt at the time. But Pigeon Forge and the Gatlinburg area went in one direction, and I feel like Branson is going in another direction. Perhaps they're clo- perhaps because Silver Dollar City or Branson is much further removed from major cities. Is yeah. you know Pigeon Forge is close to. The you know Charlotte, if you really want to I, take that biggest stretch. Having living in Nashville for Nashville, as long as I did, Knoxville. I'm convinced. Well, the Knoxville certainly. I mean, you know, there's major, major cities within easy, easy driving distance. I'm to convinced Dollywood. that Dollywood and, by extension, Pigeon Forge's tremendous growth in the last twenty years can be attributed in part to Opryland closing. Yeah. Not only is it not a coincidence that Dollywood's growth plan just took off into the stratosphere once Opryland closed, but that was a major thing that Nashville lost. It was a beautiful regional park with some great rides, incredible atmosphere, a lot of shows. It was very similar um, to the, the to the product that Dollywood was cultivating, which was culture, shows, food, you know, the South, a real you know Tennessee and music and and so on and so forth. And um, when Opryland closed. I think Pigeon Forge probably saw a lot more people from the Nashville area who were like, well, we lost our our daycation spot. We don't have our theme park anymore. We've lost this huge part of culture in Nashville. So I think from there, I mean, people were already doing the weekending thing. The Nashville-Gatlinburg weekender thing is such a such a thing. Every weekend in the fall or like fall break and in the wintertime, people would go to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and... I think that only became more and more of a thing once we lost Opryland because suddenly not only were people going up there for the reasons they were already going, but then they could go they would go and they would add another day to their trip to go to Dollywood and get a experience that they could no longer get anything similar to that in Nashville anymore with Opryland gone. Either way, both parks <laughs> are great parks. Their surrounding regions kind of reflect Perhaps their investments, but I mean, by no means is Silver Dollar City under underdeveloped park. I mean, that park is that's I really one think, of the country's best I, parks. I, I really think Silver Dollar City is deserves more credit, I think, than Dollywood because like, it doesn't have the name. But if we talk about that yeah. for always, like it doesn't quite have the Dolly name, but it still delivers such a great product. It yeah. doesn't have the region. I mean, it's the first. The big cities are far away. The Branson is not what it used to be. But when you get to that park, it yeah. really feels like a top five U.S. When you're park in Silver Dollar City, you would never know. That besides Disney, the ra- that the, the surroundings were not as hopping as say the surroundings around Dollywood. I mean, not to not to undermine Dollywood's accomplishment, but yeah, everyone loves Dolly Parton. Also, Silver City is free parking when it's not busy because we're like, oh, we're, we're ready to pay, and they're like, oh, park is free. Today. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll park for free. So, if anything, Branson not being so hopping anymore works for your parking fee. But yeah, either any way you look at it, it, they're winners. If you have a season pass to one park, you get fifty percent off. off to the other. Includes and wild, including wild adventures. We did that. One of you get a cheap wild adventures pass. And get wild adventures and then go to the others. Yeah, score smart. It'd be worth looking in. Although I because I, I would go ride the SLC once every couple months. Yeah, I mean we're suckers for. For SLCs, and especially when it's really smooth. Good I mean, ones, that yeah. one I rode like a dozen times. It was hot as shit. You liked the SLC better than I did, but I liked the boomerang better than you. So we'll ride Between, the boomerang yeah. and the SLC together, and then we'll take a couple of hours to just <laughs> session our favorites session for a little bit. God. <sighs> but yeah, if you haven't been to either yeah. of those parks, um, whichever one's closest, go. But I definitely would say you can go to one, not go to the other, because they both have very unique rides. 
no, compared to one if another. If you love and, one, you'll love the other. And they're both just such they're a both great just product. Knockouts. I wish I could just slap the two together. Like make them, bake them two gates. Be the most well balanced two gates <laughs> of any one resort in the world. They almost feel like they could be because again, any any chance that the the lineups were ever similar, they stray off. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing left that's. It's similar. almost like they really do look at both parks simultaneously and say like, okay, well this park has this. We should do something different because at this just point, to, the just most to make it more the unique. most similar rides they really have besides kitty coasters and um, fire and hole and stuff are going to be the two loopers, which is Wildfire and Tenstonetto, even more so than they uh, both Lightning have. Run they both have SNS. Uh, Giant swings, though the giant. Oh, uh, I don't look like a flat yeah, ride. Like yeah, I got. I well, it's you. funny that happened after the fact. Dollywood built Timber Tower as like their major marquee new flat ride, and the Silver Dollar City followed up with the Screaming Swing. But Dollywood's Timber Tower, of course, was a huge disaster, and so. When the Screaming Swing had anything to do with SNS taking over that um, powder keg project? Probably. Be like, oh well, we have this product too. You want to buy it? Silver Dollar City <laughs> has three unique SNS attractions. They've got Powder Keg, they've got the Screaming Swing, and they have their Double Shot, which um, was a salvage from Celebration City. Again, their drop towers are totally different. Of course, both parks have drop towers, but one's an SNS Double Shot, and the other one is a fun time Roto Drop. Yeah, it's cool. The one thing they both have in common, the only thing that both parks really have in common, is quality. Yeah, same quality. Uh, I love both very much. If you ask me now which one you want to go to, I don't even know. Maybe Silver Rock City because I went to Dollywood Mars recently. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, both are just, you know, wake me up anytime and yeah. I will go to either, yeah. like, gladly. Silver Dollar City's got their amazing next-generation Rapids ride that's coming. Their new... Oh, yeah, the crazy... Hopefully that's on track. What's the company again? It was some sort of company that stopped making water rides and then they got recontracted. Was it Bar? Bar. Boom. Yeah. That, I think that's the one that's doing The it. amazing log flume at Silver Dollar City is a bar engineering flume. Uh, it's way old school. Yeah. But I like it better than Daredevil Falls. I miss when Silver Dollar City had their old Arrow Flume. Fun fact, the Arrow Flume that ran at Silver Dollar City from the 60s until 2003 or 2002, um, that was originally at the New York World's Fair in Queens, 1964-1965. Dollywood bought half. There were two flumes at the World's Fair. Dollywood bought one of them uh, and ran it there for, for quite some time. And the, the bar engineering Silver Dollar City flume was, I think... Uh, inspired by Dollywood's flume. It was an example of them taking the best of Dollywood, or, or what would become Dollywood, uh, and bringing it to the to the Branson Park. But they went with a more local, a local brand, Bar Engineering, which they've only built a handful of rides. They've got the Rapids Ride at Valley Fair, the Log Flume and Rapids Ride at Dory Park, and then the Log Flume. Um, and then both parks had their Hopkins Rapids rides, but now only Dollywood has one. Silver Dollar City surprised everyone and just completely ripped up their existing Rapids ride to build something way cooler. Aren't there two Hopkins water rides in Dollywood? Isn't the, aren't the... The Superflumes, uh, Hopkins. Well, yeah, Superflume and the... Rapids ride. Rapids ride, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so what I'm saying. It's like, Dollywood, instead of getting Buzzsaw Falls, they got Daredevil Falls. Mm-hmm. Which, because Daredevil Falls was at the time probably a much safer choice than building another Premier Rides liquid coaster. Ouch. What? Burst the line. Yeah. And then, like, both parks had splash battles, max splash battles, but Dollywood's, after 10 years, they are like, this isn't working, and they turned it into this beautiful, they call it, what did they call it, like, the venue, I think? It's got the big Christmas tree that they do the projection mapping it's on. It's not what it's called, but, yeah, it's very Dollywood. It's just a big space to hang out with crowds and So it went from being, shows and like so many other things that Hershend has done, it went from being like, oh, this is a great idea, we're going to do this in both parks, and then they're like, oh, one's working better in this park, so we're going to keep this one. Silver Dollar City Splash Battle has a much better location than Silver Dollar than Dollywood's did, so like I think that's why it stayed and why it probably does a lot better. I mean, Splash Battles get you so wet. I feel like as a concept, the Splash Battle had like a really sharp bell curve. They're very easy to market to parks, but I think they're finding that ridership is not comparable with like other rides because you just get completely soaked, and that's the whole purpose. They're not thrilling. There's no drops. It's just getting soaked. Yeah. And um, with that, we'll kind of just wrap it up. Yeah. Um, not to make these episodes too long. We had a two-hour episode, I think, <laughs> yeah. like the last one we did, We're so check it out. Break. <laughs> we'll give you all a break. Um, in conclusion. In conclusion. What is the conclusion? The conclusion is that we think Dollywood overall is the better uh, the infrastructural polished and polished park experience. But tit for tat, Silver Dollar City actually has the stronger coaster lineup. And I think Despite that Silver Dollar City transfer or like transports you more into like a yeah. different kind of 
world. Um, you're so removed from everything else, and it's one cohesive product. It's a bit more rustic, but it is definitely, definitely rustic, more cohesive. But it's cohesive. The entire park is one product. It's where Dollywood really, you know, it, it's starting to take some swings in different directions, which is nothing wrong with that because it's really clean and really nice and polished. Yeah. But if you're looking for like an old rustic, Westernish Ozark Mountain. Silver City tells one story extremely well the yep. whole way through. And I would say from we you know from all the parks you've been to in the world, it is by far the best park of that sort of you know theme. When yeah. it comes to like an entire park dedicated to that one single theme, which there are quite 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 a few parks around the I world. I mean, you can really that. think you could really say that like Silver City is the original, and the, the that aesthetic that Dollywood still has is just copied. And Silver Dollar City's no, right. not only does it feel better because Silver Dollar City didn't stray in as different many different directions for themes, but Silver Dollar City's was first, and it's authentic. And everything that Silver Dollar City did that Dollywood copied, Dollywood has a great version of it. But Silver Dollar City's was the original. That's right. And then um, by the time you hear this, if you hear it early on, we're doing a Silver Dolly weekend, which is going to be just a weekend full of a podcast, articles, Ace. SoCal is doing a live quiz with um, coach enthusiasts around the country regarding Silver Dollar City and Dollywood. We are having social media games. Um, so we're just doing, you know, we're just kind of focusing on those parks because why not? Everyone's doing the COVID thing. Yeah. And if you are listening to this a little bit later on, uh, go back, go to our social media channels, um, go to our website, thecoasterkings.com. We've got a bunch of Silver Dollar City and Dollywood stuff up there. And we look forward to talking to you again in this space of a microphone in our next Hmm. episode. Uh, So thank you for listening and have a good day. Thanks guys.